In this episode of the Euctropolis podcast, try this. Five super simple strategies for anyone who finds themselves teaching ukulele. Welcome back to the Euctropolis podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. In this episode, we're going to look at five really simple ways that you can take the joy of ukulele and pass it on to someone else. Because being an ukulele player means being an ukulele teacher. Stick around. So here's the deal. If you're an ukulele player, it also means you're an ukulele teacher. I know you might think you didn't sign up for that, you know? You might think, hey, I just want to strum and sing and pluck my ukulele and have a good time. I don't care about teaching whatsoever. But the thing is, the ukulele is a social instrument. People see you having fun and they want to have fun too. It's just that simple. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, it will happen to you. Somebody will come up to you and ask, how do I do that? Can you show me a couple of chords? How do I get started? And suddenly, you're a teacher. Whether you like it or not, you are a teacher. It's a game of ukulele, pass it on. Simple as that. So what I'm going to do in this episode is something a little different. Instead of taking student questions from Euctropolis.com and expanding on them, I'm going to show you five teaching strategies that you can use right away. They're very simple. You don't have to print anything out or make any flashcards or do anything fancy. These are just simple ideas that could change the way you teach. The first strategy is something that is tried and true and a real cornerstone of making the ukulele on-ramp as easy and gentle and fun as possible. It's one that just everyone has to know, so I'm including it here. But the other four are things that have come up just recently, just ideas and tips that have come out of my own teaching just in the past couple of weeks, and I really wanted to share them with you. I'm also launching a new tag in the community, both in the wider Euctropolis community and the Jehui Cafe community, you'll be able to tag posts with the tag, try this. And what that means is little strategies that come to you as you're teaching, little aha moments that you think other teachers could use and other players could use to pass on the joy of ukulele. So in the community and in the Jehui Cafe, look for that little tag that says, try this, and use it to tag posts where you share simple, practical ideas and strategies for teaching or playing with the wider community. And here's the thing about tags. If you are in need of one of these simple, practical strategies, you can just filter the posts in your community by tag and just see all of the posts that have been made under the Try This banner. And that can serve as a pool of new ideas 
and inspiration for you anytime. So the first strategy I'm going to put out there, the first try this moment, is not a new idea, but it might be new to you. And I want to make sure that everyone knows this, players and teachers alike. For years, since the beginning of the ukulele itself, there's always been this lingering question of which chord should you teach first? When you have five minutes with your grandson, granddaughter, niece, nephew, neighbor, whoever you might be teaching on Zoom or in person, what is the first chord that you teach? And for many years, the answer to that question was C. Because it's easy and it sounds like a chord. And I guess people remember from learning piano that C was an easy key because it only had the white keys. And if you go onto YouTube and you search for beginner ukulele lesson, you know, 10,000, 20,000 videos are going to tell you the same thing. Start with C. But for some time now, many of us in the teaching community have been moving away from the C chord as the starting point in favor of C7. So why? Well, number one, C7 also sounds nice. It also can be used to play songs. Just on its own, this C7 chord can be used to play Harry Nielsen's Lime in the Coconut. Just one chord the whole way through. Or Aretha Franklin's Chain of Fools. Just one chord all the way through. So C7 just on its own does a lot of work for us. And let's not forget, C7 on its own is very easy to describe in words as well. It's just the first finger on the first fret of the first string. First finger on the first fret of the first string, that's almost like a, like a cosmic hint that this should be the first chord that you teach. But it's not so much C7 on its own that I'm interested in, it's where C7 will take us that really makes it powerful. So what we're going to do next is take that C7, the first finger on the first fret of the first string, and we're just going to jump it over to the first finger on the first fret of the second string. If you're playing along, let's do it together. One, two, a one, two, ready, jump. What a sound. That first finger on the first fret of the second string gives us this beautiful chord that we don't really need to name. We just have to know that it sounds good. But if you do want to name it, it's called F add 9. And if you don't want to get fancy, you can just call it F-ish. And that works just fine. And now you have two chords with one finger.
not just any two chords either. You've got two chords that are, in music terms, tonic and dominant. You've got a home chord, in other words, and you've got an away chord. And together, you can play a ton of songs with just these two chords. Here's one of many, 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 many examples. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. The wheels on the bus go round and round, all through the town. Just one of, oh, about 10,000 examples. The thing is, I could have played those chords in the key of C. I could have started my student, whether that's uh, some random ad hoc lesson that I'm having uh, on a street corner with somebody, or whether that's a weekly lesson with a student. I could have started on C. The wheels on the bus go round and round with a one finger chord, but then what do I need next? In order to play that same song, I need a G or a G7 chord. Suddenly, it's a three-finger chord in a completely different configuration, and I just don't like my chances in a five-minute lesson of getting a person comfortable with a G7 chord just so that they can play a simple song and get started. But if I start them with F-ish and C7, I've got two great chords with one finger. And that creates the gentlest possible on-ramp into music. And sometimes that's just what you need. So that's our first try this strategy. Next time you have a chance to show someone the joy of ukulele, start with C7. The first finger on the first fret of the first string. Have fun. So if you're already using Booster Uke or Ukulele in the classroom, you've already seen that first strategy. You already know that one. Start with C7. But I really just wanted to get that out there for folks who are still struggling with, you know, what chord do I teach first? And who haven't heard, start with C7. So from here on in, I'm going to try some new things that have come up in my own teaching just in the past couple of weeks. Now, the first thing is a really fun game that my son and I, he's five years old, my son and I came up with sitting at the breakfast table one day, and we were just singing together, and he was being silly, and I was being silly, and we were eating our breakfast, and we came up with this game called Gulp. Yeah, that's right, Gulp. And I used this game in my next lesson, and it worked really well. As you know... Not everyone loves to sing, and some people are just hesitant about opening their mouths and letting the sound come out. And so any strategy that can help hesitant singers to come out of their shell is a good strategy to have in your back pocket. Gulp is one of those strategies. It's just a simple idea that you can do anytime. You don't need any fancy 
setup or props or anything. You just do it. So here's how it goes. Make a gulp sound like this. Gulp. <laughs> like a frog eating a fly. Gulp. Like that. And then take a song that you're working on. Let's say it's um, Rocky Mountain. Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain high. When you're on that Rocky Mountain, hang your head and cry. Let's just say this is the song you're working on. When you play the game of gulp, you just eat one of the words in the song. <laughs> That's it. You just choose a word like the word high, for example. We're going to eat that word like this. Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, gulp. When you're on that Rocky Mountain, hang your head and cry. So simple, right? We just eat one of the words. We could eat more than one word. For example, um, let's eat the word at the end of each line. The last word in each sentence. Let's eat it. Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, gulp. When you're on that Rocky Mountain, hang your head and gulp. <laughs> That's it. That's the game. And you know what? It's just fun. Now, to, be, to put on my you know, teacher hat again, I didn't just choose at random which word I wanted them to gulp. I chose the word that was maybe the most challenging to sing. Rocky Mountain High. You know, that word is big and bold and open and maybe kind of intimidating. You know, this part, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, that's almost like speaking. You know, there's not much to that. But high, you know, that. if I don't like to sing, I'm not going to really enjoy that moment. So eat it. And then when you have a few laughs and people loosen up a little bit, well, maybe we could try something different. Maybe we could try gulping everything except the word high and the word cry. That's fun on its own, like this. Gulp, 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 high. Gulp, 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 gulp. Gulp, 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 cry. Okay, so it's silly and fun, but what's going on in the background? Well, I have to keep the melody going in my head as I'm gulping so that I know when to come in on the word high at the right time. Now, this is so important, the ability to keep a melody happening in your head, to audiate this melody in your mind as you're doing something else. This is an incredibly sophisticated skill that is built right in to this very silly game that might just be enough to sort of jolt your hesitant singers out of their hesitancy and to bring them in with a game like this. Remember, you can come back to this game time and time again. This is not just a use it once and throw it out kind of a strategy. And the best part is that it can grow with your students as they get more sophisticated. So for example, a, a more nuanced version of this game would be to eat a certain note 
in the music. For example, if I say, let's gulp the note A. Anytime we have an, uh, we're singing the note A, let's gulp it. So it would be Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain High. Gulp, you're on that gulp. Mountain, hang your head and cry, and the chorus, do do do, oh, do remember me, do do do, oh, do remember me. Now that gets a little more challenging, right? Because you're not just doing it by word; now you're doing it by note. And the same could be done instrumentally. And as I always like to do, you know, if you if you've done the positive image, do the negative image. Flip it around and say, gulp every note except the A. Gulp, 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 gulp. gulp. <laughs> that way, you're you're actually doing the thing that you weren't doing before, and now you've got the complete picture. You've just split it into two different activities. So there you go. A very silly, very simple idea that you can do anytime and you can keep in your back pocket. Thank you to my five-year-old son for coming up with this game called Gulp. Enjoy. Our next try this strategy comes from another conversation around the breakfast table, only this was a conversation with my wife, Anne, who's a fabulous cello teacher. We often talk about our day, you know, as you do over meals, but our days are usually filled with uh, music and music teaching, and we'll compare notes on our lessons. And uh, just the other day, she came up with this game just randomly during the lesson and she shared it with me and I loved it and I want to share it with you. It's a game called Memory and it is super simple. You just get your students doing something. Could be a scale like this, could be a chord progression, whatever. Could be a strum pattern and you get them doing it over and over again because, you know, they got to practice. They got to learn how to practice. They got to learn that this is practice. Repetition, which doesn't have to be boring, but you got to get into the habit of repeating things. Just like one push-up or one sit-up is not called a workout. <laughs> Doing something musical one time is not called practice. But anyway, you get your students doing something over and over. And then you, the teacher, say three random words. Horse. Guacamole. Pincushion. 
And at the end of the practice session, they have to tell you what the words were. So simple. Horse, guacamole, pincushion. <laughs> and if they can say the three words, then they win the game. It's so simple. So what's actually going on here? Well, your students are already occupied with something that they're working on. They're already in their own little world, trying to get this thing right. Maybe it's a scale or a chord or a, or a strum pattern. They're trying to get it right, and yet what you want to train them to do is to have ears that are bigger than themselves. You're always helping students to play heads up. And to relate this to sports, if you're playing hockey and you're always skating with your head down, well, we know what's going to happen. You're not going to make good plays. You're not going to get good passes. You're probably not going to score. And somebody's probably going to hit you at some point by accident or on purpose, and you're not going to know about it till it's too late. Skating with your head down is not a great idea, just like driving a car with your head hanging out the window looking at the road is not a good idea. Well, playing music like that is also not a great idea. So we're always trying to get our students to play heads up, to play ears open. So the idea that they need to be listening for these three key words while they're doing a task helps them to develop those muscles so that eventually they're able to play and listen at the same time. And this game of memory is a small step in that direction. So try it and let me know if it works for you. Make a post in the community and tag it with try this. And if you want me to, I'll share your feedback with Anne at the breakfast table someday. Okay, so my next try this strategy comes from another silly musical moment with my five-year-old son. We were singing the song Lavender's Blue from book one of the Ukulele in the Classroom series, which by the way is free. If you don't have it yet, it's yours at ukatropolis.com classroom. You can download it there for free. Book one of that series has the song Lavender's Blue in it which goes like this. Lavender's blue, dilly dilly. Lavender's green. When I am king, dilly dilly, you'll be my queen, etc. Now, we weren't exactly having a lesson when we were singing this, and I think that's something that's... Um, worth noting as well. We weren't sitting down with the intent to learn music. It's just like music is part of our regular conversations. So when you're in the classroom, you don't have to limit music to music time, right? I mean, music is just part of the way we interact. You could sing the instructions to a math problem, for example, or sing the results of a science experiment. Music could just be part of our everyday communication. 
that's the way it is in, in our house. Our friend Angela Dwyer, who is the director of the Jehui program, had dropped off a, a gift for us, uh, a little potted plant. And we put it next to the breakfast table. And it just happens to be a lavender plant. So, of course, she used a little cutout from the music of Lavender's Blue as the label for the plant. Very sweet and thoughtful. And we look at it all the time. And so sometimes my son will just start singing Lavender's Blue when he sees that plant. And then I'll just join in. And it's, you know, it only takes 10 seconds and we move on to something else. But there's singing that's happening all the time. Well, one day he started singing this a little differently. He started singing, Lavender's Blue, Doodle Doodle. And, and then I picked it up and I said, uh, When I am king, netty netty. And, and before too long, we had all these little variations on Dilly Dilly. And I was just like, that is a, a game that anyone could use in the classroom or in a lesson with anyone. It's just the idea of sort of a word swap. It's like, here's the original word of the song, and I'm just going to swap that word, especially in a case like this, where the word is kind of silly to begin with, dilly dilly. Like, not everybody's going to want to sing dilly dilly. Uh, You know, if you had a, a class of teenagers, for example, and you're trying to teach them, lavender's blue, dilly dilly, you know, you might get a little bit of pushback, from that because dilly dilly is not exactly the coolest thing that anyone ever sang but something else might fit in there with the same number of syllables like lavender's blue stephen curry lavender's green i don't know (laughs) swap your favorite nba basketball player for the words dilly dilly uh now you've got something it's fun it's creative it's a little bit silly Look for these opportunities to swap words in songs and see what happens. The fifth and final strategy I want to talk about in this episode is the power of percussion. This is something I've been using a lot lately. It's very fun, and it allows students who have music in them, but who don't yet know exactly where to put their fingers, or who don't have the finger strength to make chords, it allows them to participate in a lesson. So let's take an example of a song like... Alice the camel has ten humps. Alice the camel has ten humps. Alice the camel has ten humps. So go, Alice, go. Boom, 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 boom. You know, say we've got a simple song like that. Well, that's not a simple song to everyone. Cording that song and singing it at the same time is not easy. So one thing we can do is to turn the ukulele into a drum. Now, of course, you have to be careful so that you don't damage the ukulele. And you can set up the expectation that students will be gentle with the instrument. And you can model this in your examples. But the truth is, (laughs) the ukulele makes a fabulous drum. Look, if you just knock on the ukulele with your knuckles, like you're knocking on a door, 
you get that sound. That's up near the sound hole where the, the shoulder of the ukulele is. If you knock on the side of the ukulele, the rib, you get a slightly different tone. What about tapping lightly on the bridge? Different tone again. I could flip the ukulele over, put the strings on my knees, and I get the back of the ukulele to make sounds and rhythms with. I could use my fingers on the soundboard or my fingernails. Here's a fun one. Take the back of your thumbnail and put it on the fretboard around the first or second fret, right between the strings, and then run it up the fretboard like this. Isn't that fun? You get kind of a guiro sound, or like almost like a zipper. And that might not be for everyone, but that might be a, a teacher special that you can throw in there for a little bit of flash. The point is, the ukulele has a ton of drum sounds in it, and most importantly, everyone can find their own sound. I often do this in group lessons, where we will assemble a drum beat where each person finds their own sound. Well, that is incredibly empowering for a student who might be struggling to play chords or to pick melodies. To be able to play rhythm and to participate in that way and to feel like they're contributing to the beat, that's huge. So let's finish off with a version of Alice the Camel where I'm going to play different layers of percussion that come all from the ukulele and uh, we'll just have a bit of fun with it. Here we go. One, two, a one, two, three, four. Alice the camel has two humps. Alice the camel has two humps. Alice the camel has Two humps, so go, Alice, go, boom, boom, boom. Alice the camel has one hump. Alice the camel has one hump. Alice the camel has one hump, so go, Alice, go. Drum solo. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Euctropolis podcast. Hopefully that helps you to have a few new strategies in your back pocket, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a player who just happens to teach the ukulele in order to pass on the joy of ukulele. My name's James Hill. I'll be back again next week 
with a new episode. Until then, I'll see you over at euketropolis.com where you'll find a whole library of unique online ukulele courses and, most importantly, a supportive, welcoming community of students and teachers from all over the world. Until next week, keep on strumming.